0: It's gardening time on organic matters, but it's uh, one of the rough times of year. This time of year, working in the garden can be nearly as impossible uh, as at any time, except uh, get out there early in the morning, folks. As much as possible, work some morning garden grooming into your schedule. Early's better than later. Late evening will work, but, but morning's by far the best time. When that' old mercury rises, plants struggle to stay hydrated. Providing plants with adequate moisture ensures more than seasonal good looks. It's a key to long-term health. Try these tips to make the most of your irrigation efforts. For most non drought tolerant trees and shrubs, provide a deep watering uh, every 10 to 14 days, depending on the weather. But you you have to do my old finger method I tell you about. Get that finger in the ground to the first joint. If there's no moisture there, it's really time to water. This means wetting the soil for at least... Six, eight inches deep in in this when it's it really hot. So dig down to see. Take a little spade or a fork and check. Make sure you're getting some dampness down several inches. And in moist soil, the blade will slide easily. And you can tell when you when you've done it. Uh, you don't have to do it. Here's a, here's a good uh, rule for a dually rule. You can water too often, but you can't water too much. What I mean by that is when you water, you water thoroughly. So when you do water, make sure it's getting enough to really soak that soil, and then hang off. Uh, most plants can tell you. If they're just droopy in the afternoon in the 100-degree sun, they're probably all right. if you come up in the morning and they're still perky and, and, and looking good. But if they have that little softness in the morning, it's time to get that deep watering in again. Of course, the best times to water are always early in the morning, or if you have to, early in the evening. If you water during the heat of the day... You're going to lose more moisture to evaporation instead of getting that water down to soak the soil, which is what you really need. And remember, keep a close eye on gardens that are very near or directly under mature trees, especially shallow rooted species such as maples and poplars. The trees' large root systems absorb the majority of the water from the soil before it can get to your garden plants. During the heat of the summer, it can be tough to keep up with container gardens. Set up a drip irrigation system if you can. It's easy. Inexpensive uh, weekend project that will save you a heck of a lot of time and effort over the course of the season and may save a bunch of plants you might not have been able to take care of otherwise. Pay attention to automated irrigation systems while they're running. Look for sprinkler heads that aren't working properly or are misdirected. Watering streets, sidewalks, or driveways instead of the plants that need to be watered. And if you live in a high pH system, I I do in Texas, pHs are over seven, seven and a half. Your irrigation systems may get stopped up. Believe it or not, that's easy to fix with a little bit of vinegar. But if you don't catch it, you may not know till it's too late for some of your plants. In my part of the country where water is kind of hard to come by sometimes, in my vegetable gardens or even my planting beds, I actually install soaker hoses, which deliver water directly to the soil and save you a heck of a lot of water that would ordinarily be evaporated. And for a little extra effort, remember, rain barrels are a great way to save water, (laughs) provided you're getting rain. We're not getting it as often as we used to, then as usual, sometimes we get too much. And of course the summer garden wouldn't be complete without butterflies, hummingbirds and birds to enhance the daily color show. Many of the flowers in bloom actually bring forth they they actually beckon butterflies to come and visit. So to make your yard extra attractive to butterflies, consider host plants, as well as nectar plants. Host plants are those species that the caterpillars themselves eat, not necessarily just the butterflies use. For example, monarch caterpillars literally can only feast on milkweed species. The species uh, in this part of the country where I, uh, my shows are broadcast for the most part are in the species Asclepias, although there's are others. Black swallowtail caterpillars prefer to munch on fennel. Easy to grow. Parsley, dill, and of all things, even though we call it a weed, Queen Anne's lace. And I learned from a, a lady gardener friend of mine that was even several years older than me, that if you don't want to see those unsightly look of the munched leaves, which doesn't bother me in my garden, place those host plants just in the back of the border where you really don't even notice them when they've been chewed on because you still see all your beautiful plants in the front. Try to remember to really tuck your bird baths into a semi-shady spot to slow evaporation, and it also keeps that water from overheating, which the birds love. Change water frequently to prevent mosquitoes from breeding. Scrub with, oh, I use peroxide myself. They say bleach. I don't like bleach. Buy a 79-cent bottle of peroxide and use it weekly to prevent the algae and maybe some of the diseases that might spread through a water bath or a bird bath that you don't clean as often. And even though we always count on, uh, I love, I I have martin houses everywhere when I live in permanent situations. But if mosquitoes and other flying insects make your evening outdoors less enjoyable, really the best thing to put up is a bat house. Bats consume mosquitoes, flies, and other insects. Even though we love our blue martins, they mostly fly higher in the sky more to get moths and other higher flying bugs. Whereas bats, and especially if you want to put up with them, the little mud swallows, always build those little nests on your porch, those guys fly at our altitude. They fly where the bugs like mosquitoes are that really bother us. This show reaches a lot of the south, so there's a little bit of difference in in where and what we grow. If you live out in the southwestern part more where I am, and the soils are higher alkali, they're in the 7 to 7.8. 7.5 7.5 area, then probably our easiest to grow perennial might actually be crepe myrtle. And you can grow them in the east also, but there's a little bit of difference. Crepe myrtle, if you remove the spent flowers on the crepe myrtles, it actually will help them rebloom more quickly. Leaves that are darker or gray or sooty, maybe even kind of charcoal gray, probably have a sooty mold growing on them. Believe it or not, the fungus doesn't even actually attract the tree, but it does result from an aphid or other insect infestation that occur late in May into June. Control the mold now by spraying a horticultural oil. It doesn't have to be poisonous. And next year early, treat your plants for aphids in May. There's some real natural methods you can use. You can even buy ladybugs and lace wings. And there's also now some horticultural sprays that are harmless to pets, harmless to you, but will prevent the aphids from attacking your crepe myrtles. And do resist, folks. This is so hard. Resist the urge to prune your crepe myrtles now, okay? Uh, It's okay to remove any dead or diseased branches or other part of the plant. But the best time to trim crepe myrtles is in late winter or early spring. They're naked. You can see where you're going to remove limbs. And don't do what I call crepe murder. Texas is terrible at it. I don't know about the rest of the South. They cut the thing all the way back to a little stump. I don't know why on the wildest streams they think it's attractive. not only that, But it's really, really detrimental to the better health of your crepe myrtle plant. Now, for those of you who are lucky enough to live in the east and live in the more moist and more acid soils, uh, azaleas are another wonderful plant. Spring-blooming azaleas are, uh, always remember, are forming their next year's flower buds now. So don't, uh, don't, don't prune at this time of year. Keep the soil around your azaleas evenly moist to fuel the flower formation, and it's one of the plants that you almost can't over mulch. Check your mulch around the plants. Refresh it with up to maybe two-inch thick a layer whenever necessary. I apply a slow-release organic fertilizer with a little extra iron. I actually use a a product that you can buy called green sand. uh, And I add it to the soil surrounding the azaleas and then let Mother Nature water in or you can. It doesn't matter. And it'll last a year or two. Green sand is probably the best natural iron source you have available. And also, if you pinch your garden mums to keep them compact, stop by mid-July, okay? Apply another slow-release fertilizer. I prefer organic. As a matter of fact, I don't use anything else to the soil around the plants. About the middle of July, about the middle of this month, and that will spur growth and flower formation for later on. Continue to remove the spent blooms if you have roses and prune the canes eh, just to keep it in a controlled growth. That's up to you. Remember, pruning is usually for the person, not for the plant. Both of these practices will promote fall flowering. Don't worry about fertilizing roses, however. Let them take a little break during the heat of the summer. They'll be just fine in the fall. If you do cut roses or other flowers for bouquets, do so in the early morning when it's cool, the flowers will last longer after being cut and it's less detrimental to the health of the plant. Try not to let herbs such as basil, mint, and oregano bloom. If they do, if they go to bloom, you're the, it loses part of the wonderful flavor they have. Flower formation changes the herb's flavor to a less than ideal state. Still edible. Still perfectly safe, folks, but just not quite as good. Keep pinching the plants back to keep them fresh, even if you're not going to use it. Just lay them back on the ground and let them become mulch. Don't let ripe vegetables rot on the vine or on the ground around the plants. The only reason is it actually will go back into the soil and be part of the fertilizer, but it does have a tendency to attract pests and can harbor some diseases that are kind of a booger to get rid of. Some vegetables will stop producing in the heat. Tomatoes an ideal example. If they're dying, get rid of them. Otherwise, keep them watered and wait for production to resume in the fall. Remember, if you buy indeterminate tomatoes, they will last late into winter. If you buy determinants, they're going to give you all their tomatoes at once. And you're going to need to replant those about the middle of the end of July if you want fall tomatoes in most of the areas where this show reaches. And, of course, keep an eye out for weeds. Even though it's hot, weeds continue to grow. They're pretty tough guys. Remember, a weed is just a good plant growing in the wrong place. And finally, you You'd be surprised that if you have a garden, you should keep a journal. Keep up with it. Most garden journals drop off, you know, as the season progresses, but it's a useful tool 12 months of the year. And after you do it a few years, I can't say don't, don't do it, but it will remind you just what your garden needs when it needs it. Let me tell you what I do. I buy old mailboxes Usually there are a few bucks along the road at somebody's garage sale. Don't have to be very pretty. I mount a mailbox as you go into your garden on a post. I don't care where you put it. And in that mailbox, I keep my pruning tools. I keep my journal. I keep pencils or pens. I actually use pencils most of the time. And anything else I might need for my garden, maybe even the little packages you get to remind you exactly which pea or which bean or which plant you you actually plant it in your garden because I forget and it's a great reminder it's there it's waterproof when you walk out of the garden you put it back in the mailbox and you've got everything you need right there when you go out just to take care of your garden organic matters thanks for tuning in kind of a wild week I enjoyed it but uh stay in touch if you get me at one of the radio shows be sure and tune me in nine to ten on Saturday mornings if not Apple Podcasts, Spotify, InTune, After This Week, iHeartRadio, Stitcher. I'm on most podcast channels. Just put in the name Organic Matters. Thanks for tuning in.